0: people are just actually deciding now to put themselves first and realizing that when you strip back, especially because of the pandemic, when you strip back the social and the office and the lifestyle that comes with the culture that you kind of are ingrained with and you strip it back just to the job role, there's a bit of a, a kind of stark reality of this is actually what I'm doing. And for a lot of people, I've seen that that's not enough for them.
1: Welcome back to the Career Therapy Podcast, where we help you navigate the emotional and promotional sides of the job search so you can change careers with confidence. My name is Martin McGovern, founder and lead coach at Career Therapy. And today I'm excited to introduce you to our guest, Sarah Burroughs. Sarah is a career and business coach on a mission to empower women to step out of their current unfulfilling career and forge a new path of purpose clarity, and courage. In today's conversation, we talk about limiting beliefs and how to reframe them, the power of meditation and mindfulness in your job search, and how to build the confidence you need to make your next career pivot. Thank you for tuning into this episode and supporting our show. If you like what you hear, please leave us a review or comment, like, and subscribe in order to share these conversations far and wide. Now sit back and get ready for my conversation with Sarah. Hey, Sarah, thanks for joining us today. I'm really excited to chat. Um, You know, we have definitely a lot to talk about here today uh, in regards to, you know, our similar but probably slightly different approaches to coaching. Um, And I'm really curious to hear about the types of clients you work with and the things that they're struggling with as they make these, you know, pretty big career changes and career pivots um, in their lives. Uh, When it comes to a career pivot, what do you think are some of the The things that are driving people to make a change. We're kind of in a world right now where, you know, a lot of people are quitting their jobs and reassessing their relationship to work. What sort of things are you seeing out there?
0: Such a mixture of people, I guess, just actually deciding now to put themselves first and realizing that when you strip back, especially because of the pandemic, when you strip back the um, social and the office and the lifestyle that comes with the culture that you kind of are ingrained with and you strip it back just to the job role there's a bit of a a kind of stark reality of this is actually what I'm doing and for a lot of people I've seen that that's not enough for them and they kind of realize that they're ready to put themselves first now and choose something that also has a lot more freedom as well. I spoke to someone this morning and they've kind of, she's had the pandemic, she's been at home and then they've gone back to the office. So now she's like, Why well, I don't want to be in the office. I don't want to, I don't want my time defined so much. I don't want to spend eight, eight hours, 10 hours a week traveling and not, you know, not being able to cook healthy lunches, buying food out and those expensive things. And so she's saying, I just want to work from home now and have that freedom. So they're the things I'm seeing. I'm definitely seeing, people who are just kind of ready they've the, as the pandemic's kind of easing up now they're ready to look and you know especially having hybrid working options um i think a lot of people stuck um their jobs for a while in during the pandemic which i'm sure you've seen in terms of just be grateful you've got something definitely definitely key for a while and i think that's starting to ease and people are starting to feel more confident in the job market and that there is an opportunity to actually change.
1: Yeah, it, it really is fascinating that, um, you know, f- I remember all throughout the beginning of my career, there were a lot of attempts at remote work. I remember like the first time I ever worked remotely, um, I had this like old IBM. It took like an hour to just log into the system through all the security stuff. And like, now everything is so, you know, technologically it almost feels like the technology met the time. Right. And mm. we sort of hit this point where people had to work at home for the pandemic. Um, gosh, could you imagine of having to do that without <laughs> remote work, like without Zoom? Oh, it would have been terrible. But um, it, it, it's kind of opened our eyes to this. Right. And we, what I find so fascinating about it is like productivity went up like almost across the board for most of these companies when people started working remote. And of course there's value in in in-person meetings, especially for like creative teams and things like that. But for the majority of work, it doesn't really need that in-person space or it doesn't need it as often or as every day as it used to be. And so it totally has like kind of broken people's sense of what work looks like and what it could look like and i'm even seeing things like i saw an article the other day where a company decided to switch their hours to like a 30-hour work week or something like that and their retention has gone up and their employee engagement has gone up i mean obviously right and i'm kind of curious like when people do start putting themselves first what are the things that you feel well where do they struggle with that first of all and then um, once they start to get a sense of themselves, what do you see them typically prioritizing?
0: So the first part of that, I definitely recently, um, especially because I coach primarily women, a lot of it is the um, where they lack prioritizing themselves is they take so much on emotionally as well. Um, especially women that manage teams, I've seen them, you know, not want to put pressure on their staff. So they, let, they, but they equally know that the work needs to be done. So they then um, take the work on, you know, especially looking at kind of managing director level. So you see people not prioritizing themselves. I think people's inability to say no can often sort of impact that just from capacity. It's, so, it's such a simple thing that, you know, it's only those boundaries start to slip when you let it happen for you know a short while or you do a little bit and then those expectations shift right so it's an hour extra is fine and then it's an hour extra on top of that hour and it's so subtle that you don't necessarily realize you're not prioritizing yourself for a while until you maybe sometimes get to the point of burnout but it is that extra it's that little bit that changes and you know someone else asks for something and then you take that on from a team or Um, And especially during the pandemic as well, I've worked with a couple of nurses and for them it's been so emotional Um, and sort of prioritizing themselves to remember to work hard on switching off when they finish work as well. So instead of just kind of finishing work and thinking that it's a natural thing to switch off, they don't. And so it's, yeah, so many little things that kind of like build and compound on each other. that they lack doing.
1: I love that you dug into that because, yeah, that compartmentalization is so important. And I think that kind of overlaps with our careers in a weird way because um, a lot of times our jobs become our identities, uh, especially, you know, <laughs> in, 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 our, in our world today. And it's really hard to turn off, especially when your work came home with you, right? And your home space and your workspace and everything kind of bled together um, just in general like I know for myself as soon as i started working from home years and years ago even pre-pandemic I was like oh so you just kind of keep working until you go to sleep <laughs> like, i guess like when do i stop when do i put this down um uh, but that compartmentalization piece is so important how have you helped people compartmentalize where what are some like strategies that people can do to keep things separate when it all feels all, like one big you know behemoth
0: Yeah, that's, this is something I think, you know, everyone struggles with when they work from home as well. I think that's not so much, you can, I prioritise myself really well, but equally I can stay on my laptop later than I probably should sometimes. Um, One of the things that works really well for a lot of people that I've seen um, in being really successful is sort of A, acknowledging a time that you're going to finish before the time comes. So at the beginning of the week, so I'm going to finish between whatever feels realistic for you rather than whatever feels prescribed by somebody else is if that's 530 to 6 30 grades. and then what's your leeway? So if you get to 6:30 and you've got a little bit more that you want to finish, then what's the time? So that you don't feel like you, if you've missed that mark that you've kind of lost sense of control over it. Mm-hmm. So having a clear definitive time that you're actually going to stop, and then what are you going to do straight away so often like a walk or going to the gym or doing cooking or something else to switch off to change your focus so that you've actually got a reason to finish at the end of the day i love booking a gym class um at like 5 30 because it just stops you accidentally working till six it stops you missing the clock and just carrying on working because you actually have to get up and and go and do something else. And it's kind of building those in as habits, right? It's building that in so that after 30, 60, 90 days, you just do it. You don't have to think about it. And meditation as well. Finishing work, coming home. I've got a client and we're working on meditation over wine as you switch off from (laughs) work when you get home.
1: I love that. That's such a good one. Cause like, it also builds back in that transitionary stage. Um, Cause I think that's one of the things that got lost when we started working from home is there used to be a transition to the office with the commute and a transition out of the office with the commute and that, you know, 20 minutes to an hour or whatever it is like allowed people to sort of process out the day or prep themselves for the day. Right. And I think that, you know, as much as, back in the day when I had a two hour each way commute, I did not enjoy that. (laughs) There is something to be said about like that slow ramp up into work and that slow ramp down out of work um, versus just like wake up computer, right? And, or wake up phone and email, right? In bed. Um, And, and giving yourself something like going to the gym is like, it really, it physically changes your Mm -hmm. experience of the day so that you're, body can catch up. And I think that that's one of the things that we don't always give enough give enough mind to is like the mind body connection of the job search and how, you know, we sort of live as these like floating heads staring at a computer. Right. And uh, we're not really in touch with our physical body. Like people will work through lunch. People will work through, you know, not go to the bathroom for like half the day. Right. And so like, how do we you know improve that connection so you've been talking about you know meditation and things like that um, what are some of the benefits of meditation or, or other sort of mindfulness practices that you've seen in your coaching
0: well i mean the list of meditation um benefits goes on and i'm yeah i'm i'm no scientist but just the long term impacts of meditation you can literally change the physiology of your brain by meditating within four weeks, um, that's been shown on MRI scans and it reduces your stress response. So it reduces, I'm gonna get it wrong. I want to say the amygdala is the amygdala um, so that you don't have such a potentially um, high stress reaction to everything in your life and you can do that um you that you even make better decisions um, when you meditate at work and you perform better in exams if you meditate you know the happiest people in the world um by the definition i think of an mri scan um are you know buddhist monks who meditate it all day every day and the ability to be able to calm your brain um and There's so many different ways to meditate as well that I love. And when I'm sort of saying to clients, these are the benefits. And I show them the research and I show them the evidence and the reason to do it. It's about finding a way that then fits them as well. And so often it is maybe in the morning or in the evening so that you have that screen break. um, And you maybe as well not just go from your floating head on the computer to a floating head watching TV. um, And and creating that kind of space. but the yeah the the benefits of meditating are absolutely incredible
1: yeah I love that you said that because I I remember seeing a meme at some point during the pandemic where the person's like all right done with work they're like sitting at their computer and it's like all right done with work all right starting play and they like (laughs) that's so true. And, and when I I think it's fun that you have like the meditation and wine, like what are different, let's dig into different ways that people can meditate. Like I just joined this um, meditation like studio where every other Sunday uh, they have like an hour long group meditation, which I find it in a group to be a completely different experience than on my own and benefits of both, obviously uh, different benefits from both. But, and then they have an hour discussion after to like talk about meditation and like, about your experience, meditating and things like that. And I'm so pumped about it. It's like so fun, but, um, what are, what you, you, I think a lot of people have a perfectionist mindset around meditation and my, I know I do, and it kind of keeps me from doing it as often or as consistently as I'd like. And I don't know, you toss out that meditation and wine, which I think probably appeals to a lot of people. So what are different (laughs) ways that you get people to just kind of calm down about it and, and approach it in a more accessible way?
0: I love that that you're doing the hour and the the discussion around it. And for me, what that pulls up is that you're not always going to have the same practice of meditating. Each time you do it will be really different. Um, I'm, yeah, there's no perfectionism about meditation. Um, There's no right or wrong. And there's just literally trying, I think is the key, which sounds really cliche, I guess. Um, Ways in which I kind of, suggest to people usually um is try between sort of guided um guided meditations there's loads of apps that are free um you know and everyone has their different preference so i have had people say to me like i can't meditate and that's just the frame of mind they're in i can't do it so they don't try and i say what what have you tried and then will like, "Well, sitting quietly and i was like oh okay have you maybe thought about any other way that you could do it and they're like no because that's what meditating is right it's sitting cross-legged arms on lap palms facing up in silence for an hour and they've got this concept of what it looks like um whereas actually when i suggest it to clients i said "You know, why don't you try try different ways um and try it in the morning try it before you go to bed you know um my client at the moment she's just worked out for her that and we tried for about three weeks to see where it fits into her routine which one she likes how long she's got available to meditate um which kind of guided meditation she wants to do so hers is she drives to work and then she sits in the car for 15 minutes and she meditates before she goes into work and that's come through trialing it after work trialing it before bed trialing it in the morning to see where it fits with her routine and then she'll listen to a guided meditation um And there are so many. And for me, I'll do kind of seven-minute blocks, which just is how I enjoy doing it. And I think if you're going to enjoy doing it or find it that it suits you and your personality better, you're more likely to do it. And also to take that pressure off yourself. Like, you're not going to suddenly calm your mind. It's really hard. It's actually a really hard practice to do. And no one gets it right 100% every time. So if you remove that pressure... And sometimes I just go and, like, I'll put a guided meditation on and I'll just sit there and I I maybe won't even be mind that mindful for all of it but it's taking that time and in the hope that at least 50% of the time it's really doing some good and the rest of the time at least I'm taking that time for myself and that's equal of of, as of equal importance
1: Um, yeah and it's proving it's proving to yourself that you can take time for yourself because I think sometimes we lose sight of like our ability to care for ourselves when we're spending so much time taking care of others and taking care of work and taking care of all these other things, right? Like, you know, you talked about um, before the call, like, you know, a lot of times in managerial roles, people tend to just that slow taking on of too much, right? And at a certain point, that's a, uh, that's a boundary that people aren't setting, right? And being able to meditate for five minutes on a train on your way to work or in your car before going in like that's just showing to yourself that rather than mindlessly rushing into the office you can give yourself five minutes and like prove to yourself that you can prioritize yourself for those five minutes at least right and i always do enjoy that like um the imperfect approach to things because uh you know there's there's the idea where you're like levitating off the ground, obviously. Um, and sometimes like those really deep meditations, like I've never been to an all weekend or like week long silent meditation retreat. It sounds very uh, intimidating. Right. But um, that actually can bring up a lot of pretty negative emotions in people. Sometimes it's not like uh, sometimes you you sort of see these apps and you're like meditation everything gets better. It's like, well, some forms of meditation can like bring up traumas and things like that. So maybe before you get into that in the middle of a job search, when you're super stressed out, try some of these lighter forms of meditation, like with a glass of wine or just breathing or just listening to an app or just like, I don't know if you're into ASMR, whatever the thing is someone's into. Right. And so like really, you know, playing around with it. And, And I think that idea of play is something that I think is so important with all the things we talk about, because they seem so serious, right? When people come to a coach, it's usually because they're burnt out, they're desperate, they're struggling, they're hurt, angry, traumatized, whatever the thing might be from their previous role or current role or boss interactions. And a lot of what um, I've seen in my practice is just like helping people reframe things and calm down. And you know, that's what you're sort of talking about here is like having that pause before reacting, right. And allowing yourself to think more rationally rather than emotionally. And um, when people do finally get to that place where they can pause, how have you seen that show up in their job search or show up in their work? What are, what are some of the things that they're capable of doing in terms of maybe managing up or in improving their job search? How has this like ability to pause and breathe and uh, take a minute, um, impacted their results?
0: So I think they're a bit more considered in their approach at work, and they kind of have a little bit more of an ability to maybe step back and answer questions rather than just kind of um, allowing their emotions to fire up and being more reactive. Think people are more proactive than reactive when they have the ability to stay present um, and also, I think the beauty of recognizing just being present is it takes some of the, like, catastrophizing out of the actual situation. So rather than thinking that it's, like, the end of the world, and I think that can really in, be into playing with people's emotions and, like, when you go for a career search and things, you know, people think that a career search is going to be so, you know so final and, you know, it needs to be my dream job that I'm going towards. And actually, when you kind of build in this sort of being present, you can recognize a little bit more, I feel that it's just the next step. It's all it is, it's just another job. And also, if you don't like that, that's okay. There's gonna be other jobs, but at least you're going in the right direction. At least you're doing the work and at least you're doing it mindfully and in a really positive, productive, efficient way rather than being that oh I've got to find my dream career because that's you know and I've got, I want to do it for the rest of my life <laughs> it's just a career pivot and it you know you're going to try something out if it fits with your values and it's good company culture you're probably going to like it and that's cool for about five years and I think building that um, perspective is is really compounded when you do meditation and recognize that you it's not it's not that big
1: of a deal It's so true. I had to have a conversation with someone earlier this week where I was like, look, I know we think every like millennials and Gen Z or whichever, whatever the Gens are, (laughs) um, we, we think that they're the job hoppers. But if you look at the stats, like even the boomer generation, like the average amount of time in a job is four to five years. And so I have to constantly remind people of that, like, you know, this is not a forever decision. This is a very short decision. This is like, and the older we get, the faster time moves. So it's like, at a certain point, it's like, oh, this is just literally like the next project I'm working on almost when you start to think about it. And really taking that that ability to sort of go like, wait a second, this job is not life or death. This job search is not that big of a deal. And And what's funny is when you're not able to be present, when you're not able to be mindful, when you're not able to take that minute, it's not even the job change that freaks people out. It's like the individual networking conversations are the biggest thing in the world that are going to destroy my life. And I'm, I have to constantly remind people, like I'm an introvert and I've screwed up so many conversations and people just don't remember me. Like it's really hard to be memorable. And so like that, that um, spotlight effect that they talk about in psychology, where everyone thinks they're under like a heating lamp, right, but everyone else is paying attention to themselves, and no one really cares (laughs) what you're doing, and so um, what are some of the ways that, that like, that, what are some of the ways that people get in their own way with that, like get in their own head, um, whether it's networking, or whether it's like their resume, or, or different things, what where do you see people get the most stuck on things that just aren't that important?
0: I think self-doubt probably one. Um, I've done a lot of work with confidence. Um, and so it comes up probably more for me because it, I probably talk to it a lot um, about the spiral of self-doubt and that thought kind of coming in and then it manifesting itself quite heavily on well, I can't do that because I've not done that before. And, you know, you see it in the stats of women who apply for jobs versus men with the, you know, they don't fit 100% of the resume, so they won't apply. Um, So it's kind of at every stage, I think, um, of that. Well, I couldn't do that. What if that happens? And it's that catastrophizing of the what if, you know, the worst case outcome, um, that's probably actually, like you said, not that bad because no one else is actually really paying attention to you. but it's that catastrophizing in the self doubt. And then, so in psychology, I'm not sure if you've heard this, it's something called a reticular activating system. So, RAS. So, it's a bit like a Google search engine in your brain. And you put something in, for example, the language that you use with yourself that says, I can't do that, or I'm not good enough for that job or that promotion. And what you'll start to do is notice everything that fits in with that story because you've put that information in your Google search engine. So in point, however, 0, 0, 0, nine seconds, Google, your brain has come up with every answer um, to fit that. So that when you look around. You're, you see someone else who has got it and you maybe compare yourself to them and you think yeah I couldn't do that because look at all the stuff they've done so they they obviously could do it but I can't and you start seeing things around you situations that then help you internalize that belief and make that belief your very strong reality it's a little bit like if you've ever wanted to buy a new car and you suddenly decide the making the model, right? It's a Fiat 500, whatever, that's pretty common in London or it was about a decade ago. And then suddenly you notice that car everywhere, right? It's the most popular car you've ever seen, but you hadn't seen one up until you'd put that information in your brain. Right. So you can use this to your advantage as much as you can your disadvantage. It's just the way that you then talk to yourself, which is, I guess, somewhat similar to cognitive behavioral therapy. But if you put that in your brain, and it's, you know, you you want a new item of clothing or you suddenly want to buy a house and everywhere you go, you start seeing for sale signs because you've put that in the Google search engine of your brain. So you start noticing it, your subconscious starts picking up on those things. So if that is not working for you, that's you telling yourself you're not good enough for it or I couldn't possibly make that career change. You'll still then feeding into that narrative of well, this pays me a good salary and you'll start justifying it with, I've got good colleagues here. I like my commute. Maybe I do like the job. Maybe it's not that bad because you're feeding into that narrative of, I couldn't really do it or that's really scary. I don't want to, because I'm not sure I'm good enough for that, especially with pivots across industry where it is a big leap and you, you have got to really step out of your comfort zone. People definitely then go into
1: that. I
0: can't do that. And therefore... This job's not so bad. The salary's
1: good.
0: <laughs> maybe a few more years, and then maybe a few the more. Years. the line.
1: Yeah, then maybe I'll die. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> we interrupt today's episode to let you know about Career Therapy's Unstuck Coaching Program. If you're feeling paralyzed by job search procrastination and unsure of what to do next in your career, we're here to help. Each month, as a member, you will get access to two one-on-one coaching calls, unlimited virtual chat with your coach via Slack invitations to bi-weekly group coaching sessions and lifetime access to our eight-part job search curriculum want to take your search to the next level head over to careertherapy.com and schedule a free 15-minute consultation to chat with me today and see if coaching is right for you now back to our show um i, I love everything you're bringing up here because it really is like what you focus on becomes reality right and um And it's so funny, you know, talking to people and just sort of, you just repeat back to them some of the things that they've said to you. And they're like, what? Like, they don't, they can't even believe that that's what's going through their head when they hear it verbalized, right? And one of the things that I think is so funny is like, if, if I ever ask, I sit down with someone and they talk about how like, oh, this company, I could never get a job there. Everyone who works there is like so qualified and so amazing and blah, 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 blah. Like I'll, I'll have them pull up people's profiles that work there on LinkedIn and just be like, look, they're not any good. Like they have the same background as you, or like, um, I, I'll just ask a, a great question. It's like in your last job, Did you work with a lot of dunces? Like, did you work with a lot of idiots? (laughs) And they're like, oh my God, everyone I worked with was a moron. And I'm like, well, then why is this company filled with smart people? Like every company is just a bunch of people. And people are pretty stupid. So like, let's lower the bar on these companies that seem so, you know. Like, I, I, I'm like, these companies are lying to you. All right. They are, (laughs) they are marketing themselves to you. What they're not saying in that job description is that the last person quit because they were burnt out, What they're not saying in that job description is six months ago, we laid off 30% of our workforce and that's why we're hiring again. Like, I think people, I think job seekers are way, are like overly honest to a degree in which they're like delusionally honest, like they're they're like, oh, I could never do that job. And I feel so, you know, unqualified for it. And then companies are like delusionally like positive about themselves. And these like this delusional negativities meeting this delusional positivity and it's just creating this like wild situation. Um, And so one of the things I, I try to do is like take companies off pedestals for people, but we also have to put people onto pedestals. Like, no, you are doing, decent things and you brought up cognitive behavioral therapy and just for anyone who maybe hasn't gone to therapy or hasn't experienced that could you give a little bit of your perspective on cognitive behavioral therapy and how it works and maybe how you've sort of seen it come up in your coaching
0: yeah so i mean despite my background being in psychology my um definition might not necessarily be 100 accurate on cbt but it's for me it's um changing your thought process um changing the way that you talk to yourself um very similarly it comes up in my work in that self talk um so what i get people to do is literally reframe it um they take what they're currently saying to themselves they reframe it to what they'd like to say to themselves that feels real for them um which i think is really important and it is it's putting yourself on a pedestal in the way that you're comfortable with and a way that you can believe which then changes your reality. Um and then backing that up with the evidence is how is how I kind of incorporate that changing of um thoughts. Um that is that a CBT element.
1: I love that. So you're taking what you're saying, you're reframing it, and then you're backing it up with evidence. That's the key, I think. Cause like I think a lot of times people will just be like, well, I'm saying it, but I don't believe it. Right. Yeah. Um, let's maybe go through a few examples. I think this might be fun for the audience. Like what are some of the negative self-talk things that you've heard and how can we reframe those into something positive?
0: Yeah, so I guess one would be, I can't apply for that job. Um, The reframe for me that would work would be, who am I not to apply for that job? And then my evidence would be, um, The things that would make it real for me would be, um, why would I apply for a job? I could already do 100% of the things anyway, I wouldn't grow. Um, (laughs) Comparatively, a man would probably go for this role. Um, Am I holding myself back? And I'm absolutely qualified. And I would probably list a few qualifications that I have that link to that job that make me qualified. I guess one is the catastrophizing, like what if it goes wrong is often a common one, um, which to some degree isn't really, it is not really its self talk. but it's not necessarily the personalized one, um, but you can reframe that. So what if it, and I, what I love with the what if, is changing the tone. So instead of going, what if the worst thing that happens is saying, what if the worst thing that happens? Like what yeah. actually is that? Like you were saying that spotlight, you know, like. What is the worst thing that's going to potentially happen um, if you change Chris? Like what it, what actually is that? You know, I might not like it. Like it's usually the worst outcome, right? Mm-hmm. So you give the evidence of maybe what is the worst possible outcome? Oh, okay, I don't like it. Um, maybe I'm embarrassed. I get caught out in that imposter syndrome. you know someone calls me out. Well, great. Cool. You could probably still do it though, flying, <laughs> um and 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 realizing how kind of unlikely that is to actually happen. Um, there too, that I see a lot, um, but everyone's are really different and nuanced. And yeah, sometimes and when I'm talking about the reframe that is the um, at CBT, the cognitive behavioral therapies, I often say it's just a, it's not necessarily about being positive, like unnecessarily positive. We're not here to I am great. I don't like you said, you say it and you don't believe it. So mm-hmm. great. Right. It's sometimes just giving it perspective and being real and being like, actually, you know, taking our egos out of it, what is you know what is really going on. So it's not always about being this kind of positive. it's going to be great. I feel great now. It's not always about that. It's sometimes just being like, okay, what if? What if it goes badly? Or what if, what if that person doesn't respond to me if I send them a networking
1: request? Then
0: mm-hmm. like, you know the things that hold us back from sending that message.
1: It's amazing.
0: It and it you, you reframe that to or give it some perspective of what's actually the worst thing. They say no, cool. So you can ask someone else, right? Yeah, great. So what's stopping you from sending that message now, right? Like it's just. Taking that catastrophizing nature that we do because our brains want to keep us safe, right? That's what, how we're wired. To just taking that, taking our ego out of it a bit, remind it. You know, in a subtle way, just perspective is a nicer way of saying like no one's listening or caring. Like no one cares about you or what you are saying. It's a nicer (laughs) way of being like if you actually just realize not everyone's watching you in the room. Everyone else is thinking about themselves.
1: I really like that. Cause I, I was talking with someone the other day and, uh, they have a really hard time with the confidence piece. Right. And we started talking about like, Oh, well, where have you like felt confident to work? Where have you done good things? Let's pull out those stories. And like, you know, that was their homework was literally to just write down stories of positive things in their career. Um, but it was one of those moments where like, we started getting too close to the, Oh, I am like really good. And they withdrew so much. And I was like, why are you withdrawing? Like what's going on here? And uh, they had an image of like confident people being douchebags. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, okay, well, we're, we we do not want you to be that. Right. So I'm not going to push you in that direction, but like, what are like, what is a kind confidence or like, what does that look like? Who, what people in your life have you met that have like a more kind, gentle confidence? Um, and we had to like kind of pivot away from this image of like the D bag into something a little bit more them. Right. And, uh, and I like what you're saying here. Cause uh, like, we're not going to be able to get everyone to like, I'm the shit. Right. But we can get people to like, well, I'm not a piece of shit. Like, <laughs> you yeah. know, like somewhere in the middle, that's just maybe neutral. Like I, I, I find that that's, um, a lot of times my goal with people isn't to get them to fall in love with the job search. Cause that's, you know, a bit absurd. It's not the most fun pro- process, right? It's not like creating art or something, but, um, I want you to just be neutral about the job search rather than so effing negative about it. Right. And, um, that catastrophizing piece, I think like I really appreciate you saying like, it's not even changing the words, it's just changing the tone. <laughs> like that's so small and it's such a big shift. Um, what sort of, uh, I guess, like outcomes have you seen from these, uh, you know, reframings? Have, have people been able to like get over their fears of applying for these jobs or reaching out to people? What are some of the examples that you've come across?
0: Yeah, for me it's a bit more subtle. So when I do coaching, I also give this training documents. And so they very much do it in their own time. And so what they're trying to reframe is very much whatever's going on for them right now. So I don't always see it. Um I think it's a it's quite more it's a bit more general. It's a very slow process. You know, you're changing the neurology of your brain effectively. You're changing the way you rewire things. it takes a little while. But um yeah, people starting to um have it, You know, I had a, a Gosh, actually I went into coaching in the end, um, from sales to coaching, but it was building the self-belief piece first and then throughout so that, you know, it's not just something I tack on the end of, Oh, by the way, you need to change your thoughts. It's just, right. kind of, this is a process, whatever's showing up for you. How are you going to reframe it? Here's the, t- here's the tool. And it, it's a kind of document that they have to fill in themselves in their own time. Um, but then there's just that growth and confidence more generally that shows through in everything. Because when you start seeing the positive in your job search or your, you know, when you start looking back and going, and it is incremental. I love that you said, you know, it's the arrogance piece, isn't it? And I always say to clients, I'm like, uh, I think if you're worried about being arrogant, you're probably not.
1: No, yeah. It's going to take a lot <laughs> yeah. to be arrogant. People who are arrogant
0: don't worry about being arrogant they're just arrogant right <laughs> and if you're even thinking about it then I'm gonna probably um remind you that it's probably not a concern of yours,
1: <laughs> right and the amount that you think is arrogant like the amount of effort you would have to put towards trying to be arrogant is probably incapable you're probably incapable <laughs> yeah. like but I also appreciate that you're talking about like the slow burn of this because um I'm very much a, a proponent of like slow change over time and i think even with the meditation stuff that we talked about earlier you know sometimes people sit down and be like well i did it for five minutes and nothing's changed in my life right it's like well wait a second this is a you have to return to this over and over and over again and like i always look at coaching as like my my success is you not needing me and like Mm -hmm. if you can get to a place where you're confident enough in yourself to be able to do the job search the rest of your life without needing anyone like hands off, I'm happy. And like that, I think these, these little practices of switching how you think, um, versus what can sometimes happen where people become dependent on like a coach and they're like, I get my validation from the coach and without them, I don't feel good. And like, I, that, that doesn't sit well with me when, when really what people should be able to do is turn to themselves and say, I know I'm not perfect. But I've got at least 60% of the requirements, so I'm going after this. Or um, I know I don't technically do that job yet, but I can do it if given enough time and access to Google. So I'm going to claim it so that I can sell myself to it. Because, again, at the end of the day, what we're trying to sell is not a skill set we're trying to sell confidence to the company. Like they're not looking for the person that has everything in the job description, because that person is going to cost a lot of money. What they're looking for is someone that they can be confident in to figure it out so that they don't have to think about it anymore and really getting people to that place where they go, Oh, well, I can't instill confidence in someone else until I have it in me. Right. And so like helping them sort of break that down in, in really clear ways. Um, as people are doing this, how, how, have, how, how do you help them navigate the burnout side of it? Because I think like a lot of this stuff is so deep and so emotional and it brings up quite a bit. Um, and people are typically working or, or if they're not working, they're stressing out about money. What has that burnout piece looked like and how have you helped people manage that?
0: So the burnout is, yeah, the first thing I probably would look at is what does it look like for you? burnout looks different for everyone right you know how's it manifesting for you and then there's two pieces the first one is looking at how did you get there um you know what is it so that you can prevent it again so and it's really uncomfortable um it's not particularly enjoyable a reflection to do but is it not being able to say no is it working ridiculous hours is it um, taking on the emotions of other people? Is it taking on financial stress? Is it what is it that really pushes you that you can spot early on so that it doesn't get to the end? Because burnout is the end result, but the lead up to that, like we were saying earlier, is so slow. It's what is that? What does that look like? What does that look like in your old role so that you know for you what you can work on when you move to that next job so that you can start with a good place? rather than waiting till you burn out again to sort of then recognize that it's happened but, but when it's got too late so there's definitely a, the first piece around just checking in with how do you get to burnout what does that look like for you mine is 100% saying yes um I like to be helpful I'm a coach um, learning to say no is something I've had to practice but that what my burnout was me being ill I didn't recognize it was my inability to say no. So you have to do that reflection of saying, is it that I'm taking on too many emotions or working too late? Or is that just too much for me? It's not, I'm I'm not comparing yourself to anyone else and what anyone else's burnout looks like. Um, Doing a bit around the signs of kind of apathy and, you know, when you just stop caring about the business Um, and then building in habits. So to work towards it, of with those, what does good look like for you? For you, not anyone else, but for you, what does that look like? And then building that in from the moment we start working together. Cause like you said, and I love that you said that, you know, my job is done when you don't need me. And that, so a lot of the stuff I do is about like letting them grow in their own toolkit and giving them the tools and saying, what, what habits, what does prioritizing you look like? cool when are you going to do that and how are you going to make sure that you do that now so that it becomes consistent and and again love what you said about um being consistent like you know when you sit down for five minutes and you're like but I'm not completely mind clear (laughs) what's wrong with me I can't do this then you go down that spiral it's um the compound effect of which I book I'm assuming you may have read um which
1: I think which one was that
0: um I'm going to get the names mixed up. James Clear is Atomic Habits, isn't he? And then Darren Hardy, maybe, The Compound Effect. And he talks about um, a little bit each day adds up to a lot, really. But he just delivers it in a very quick, effective way. And I really liked it. But he talks about it if, if you don't have that coffee every day, that you can buy a Ferrari in ten years or something.
1: Okay, that's cool. <laughs>
0: He's probably a bit more eloquent in his description, um, but it's a bit like that. It's a compound effect. Of when you do it multiple times, that's that's the output that you're going to get. That's going to be great.
1: Yeah, and I love the way you're phrasing this because it, you know, I think we're talking about that slow escape from these situations, right? And I think maybe one of the things we have to remind people is like you got into this slowly too. Like we're, we're kind of like the frog in the, in the boiling water. Right. It's like, it took 20 years of your career to get to where you're at, where you feel burnt out and unfulfilled and all these other things. So to expect an overnight change where you're like suddenly totally fulfilled, totally loving your job, it's like kind of unrealistic, right? We, if it took 20 years to get into this place, it might take two or three career moves to get to where you actually want to be, I know that was my case, right? I, I made multiple career changes before ending up here, and I'm even on my way to, you know, becoming a therapist um, beyond this. But like, there's so many different things that I think we have to consider, and we have to adjust, and we have to like allow to grow. And I, I just appreciate, you know, that that slow escape because we got in slow, right? Um, Are there any other things that uh, maybe a few other reframes or different things that you've seen with clients that might be kind of helpful to leave people with today? A couple of reframes around the job search. I think the
0: main one is the ones that I, I touched on They're the ones I see a lot that I can't, I'm not good enough. Um, I think on the spot here
1: well I like the one that you said earlier it's like well someone else is doing it <laughs> like why not me yeah. right it's like uh, yeah, clearly it someone's getting this job and you know I I've met a have met other human beings and they're not that great <laughs> like, so it we're all just sort of the same kind of it, we're all pretty much average like right like if you really look around most jobs are just filled with average people yeah. right because that's just math, but, um, but yeah, it's like, just knowing that being kind of in the average is a totally fine place to be. You can get jobs being average. And like, that's totally cool.
0: I, um, I think one of my favorite ones is that I've definitely heard elsewhere. So it's not, it's not original, but um, when you ask yourself, who am I to, who am I to apply for that job? Who am I to be the MD? Who am I to do that career pivot? Who am I not to? Mm-hmm. Who am I not to do that? Why shouldn't I do that? Someone else is going to do it if I don't. And, and that for me is just, who am I not to actually stop thinking that you're so special, like just go for it, you know, take that sort of ego out of it again and think, who am I not to do that? I can do that.
1: I think we should leave it on that. I love that right there. Um, So thank you so much for joining us today, Sarah. Uh, Where can folks find more about your work and follow along with what you're doing?
0: Yeah, thanks so much for having me. It's been so great. Um, So my website's www.achievingambition.com and you can find more about my career change program and working with me. You can book a free article on there. Uh, And then I'm on LinkedIn at Sarah Burroughs Coaching and... Achieving Ambition. And then on Instagram as well, I'm Achieving Ambition
1: underscore on there. I love it. Love the alliteration too. (laughs) Thanks so much for joining us today, Sarah, and I hope you have a good one.
0: Thank you so much for having me.
1: Thanks for joining us for today's episode. If you found this conversation to be helpful, please like and subscribe wherever you are listening. We also appreciate it if you take the time to leave us a review on iTunes. It really does help us spread the word and get these ideas out to more job seekers looking to build their careers and improve their lives just like you. If you'd like to learn more about career therapy and see our different coaching options, you can head over to careertherapy.com to learn more. Thank you again for stopping by. We wish you all the best in the future of your career. Have a good one.